This is NRL Boom Rookies. Hello, everyone, and welcome to the episode of Boom Rookies presented by ESPN. I am Matt Bungard, and with me today, Nick Campton. Hello. We are deep in the thicket of uh, pre-season preview season, which is a difficult thing to say a lot. Mm, We dust off the cobwebs with uh, episode one featuring uh, Benny doing the Panthers chat and Bardo doing the Manly chat, but we will crack on with the third and fourth teams on our list. And joining us right now, all the way from sunny Queensland, it's NRL Physio, a.k.a. Brian Sini. Welcome. Boys, I'm keen keen to come on this year. I wasn't uh, all that excited to talk to the Dolphins last year with their prospects not looking great. But uh, yeah, this year I'm a bit more confident, so it'll be good. Mm. So what 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 one thing before we do before we dive deep into all of it? What one thing is giving you the most cause for confidence? Uh, Valin Stafare dropping fifteen kilos. He's uh, winning that battle with the bulge. Yeah. Oh, let me tell you. Uh, if, if Mate, we, if... Mount, <laughs> Mount Cutha never stood a chance. Is He's worn it down. So. He's trained. Fuck training down. Training the house down. He's he trained a mountain down. Yeah, yeah. It, 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 <laughs> it's, if we if they still did those little preview booklets in the papers, he would be this year's won the battle of the bulge by knockout guy. And uh, Mate, I'm all I'm all about. Him. We'll get into the analysis and all that kind of stuff, but I'm all about vibes in the preseason and the vibes yes. of Val Tafare stripping down kegs and looking good. That's that's all I needed. Stripping them down, taping them up. He's doing it all. What can't he do? Um, so yeah, the Dolphins. I think it's fair to say exceeded expectations last year. I mean, a lot of people were predicting them to run last, second last around that area. They God, started would, the season who, like who would, yeah. who would predict something stupid like that? No idea. But uh, yeah, they started the season with a bang with that huge upset, causing Coltrane Cup chaos. Might I add, back in round one against the Roosters. I know it kind of petered out towards the end, Brian. But uh, and you never really hit the heights of those first few weeks again. But by and large, you have to be. I mean, you have to be delighted with how last season went, given how we thought it was going to go in the preseason. Oh, mate, it was beyond what, I mean, any of us expected, but I think especially being a Finns fan and sort of going in with not much. I think if you listen back to the podcast, I was just like, look, I want to get excited about some players, some young players, all that kind of stuff. But nothing beats winning, hey. Like I think that and winning games when you weren't expected to win is even, you know, even better. Sharing it with my daughter, I think as we spoke about at different points, Mm. like just that kind of thing, there was a real good, I'll go back to the vibes, there was a real good vibe about the team, I think, at different stages. The depth was always, like there were plenty of issues, but I think depth was the biggest one. And once I think like losing Tommy Gilbert, was huge and Sean O'Sullivan, like those two guys kind of, you know, I think really derailed our season because the depth behind them just wasn't great. But mm. yeah, I think, uh, I, yeah, it was just a, it was an awesome inaugural year for some, like for a team that didn't even make the top eight and weren't, you know, they're no Melbourne storm. They're not going to win a comp in their second year more than likely, but um, yeah, they're oh, still. Spoilers. Save yeah. Your, save, save. <laughs> But yeah, it's just good times. It's like I had a lot of fun last year and for a footy fan who kind of had floated between the Bronx and the Cows and the Queensland teams and stuff like that, like to actually have that pure fandom, I think was really cool last year. It was pretty remarkable. I thought how quickly uh, the general focus of the Dolphins went from in the preseason, you know, we're all a bit cynical about it. I don't think anyone thought they were going to do that well. Like we all bagged out the signings. We all bagged out the jerseys. 
Like it, it, I, I didn't feel like there was a great sense of excitement, but then watching that first game and they run out on the field and then they pull off the, the Suncorp Coltrane disaster. Like, honestly, from that day, I was, I was 100% in on the fins. I couldn't believe that I'd ever been so cynical. I couldn't believe that I'd been anything other than extremely excited for what was going on. And while, you know, the excitement sort of petered past that midpoint of the season as injuries crept up with them, I do think that that early part of the year is so important. Starting well, showing a lot of spirit, establishing themselves as a mm. real footy club, not some strange expansion team, not some unloved new franchise that's going to take five years to even be semi-competitive. They came into the league and it felt like they'd already been here a long time. It felt like they already had a great history behind them. I, th I think that the the bet the toughest trick to pull with an expansion franchise is making them feel old and new at the same time. Like they're always going to feel new, but if you can have a bit of a lived in quality, if you can have sort of a bit of, a bit of an identity beyond just where the new boys, that goes a real long way. And that got summed up, I think, right by at that first game when the people, like the people's Republic of Redcliffe traveled South to Suncorp stadium and started chanting Redcliffe midway through the second half. You know, once that happened, I was like, all right, this isn't, with due respect, this isn't the Titans, a team that's still trying to sort of find, mm. fight for, for their place in the league after almost 20 years. The Dolphins felt settled. They felt like part of the furniture. And that's so important because it opens the door for people to view them as a real club and view them as a real option. You know, we know so much about the recruitment struggles they had before they got into the league. But then if you look at their recruitment class for this year, it's one of the strongest in the league. Absolutely. You know? So just getting, that... just getting those few good weeks in, can make the, the world of difference. Yeah, I think when I had Brian on for an emergency episode after after that win, I think we touched on this, but like you can talk about all the stuff you do in the community. You can talk about all the work you do to put the brand out there and to get to get the kids involved, junior clinics, all that stuff. But none of that stuff matters as much as winning a few footy games. <laughs> and I know that sounds very rudimentary, but it's true. It's like the, the, the way that the Dolphins came into the league, shocked everyone, beat one of the competition heavyweights and the Roosters in their first game and sort of went on with that for a few weeks before, as you said, injuries and their depth issues caught up with them a little bit in the second half of the season. It's something that other expansion teams and other sports have, have had mixed success with. Like you look at the GWS Giants, for example, they, like the Dolphins, signed this legendary coach to, to come in and oversee things, but they were absolute dog shit for three or four years. They got pumped. They were lucky to win a game or two. And as a result, no one cares about that team. The contrast with that is the Wanderers, of course, who came in and made the grand final in their first season. And, and before the A-League kind of, you know, started on this rapid decline that it's continued on in the last few years, they were also a very hot ticket in Sydney. The Dolphins have a chance to be far more like the latter than the former. And I feel like the way they played in the first few weeks of last year, coupled with the guys that they have signed for this year, puts them in a really good chance to really establish themselves as, you know, the, the next Queensland sports team that actually has a lot of, a lot of impact and a, and a big footprint with the general public up there. I probably even underestimated myself kind of how much of a benefit it was to be an established, even though it was a Q cup side, to be an established club coming in, like, because you talk about the Titans, like they're just a fresh entity that have grown up out of nothing. And I, I think it'll be really interesting to see how the next expansion club goes, whether it be Perth or PNG or whoever it is. But just I, I think the, the fact that the Dolphins have come from an established club and to Nick's point, like they have even though they aren't the Redcliffe Dolphins, they have that sort of identity that they've grown up from, I think has been a massive benefit to them. 
I'm not being funny. I also think fins up is a huge part of it. Mm. It's a fun yeah. thing to say. Putting the hand up there, putting the getting those incredibly cheap plastic fins that won't buy at a grade for ten thousand years. Drinking out of them, putting them on your head. Oh man, I went up to the 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 first Dolphins Broncos game last year. Right, work flew me up through it for it. It was amazing. Like uh, a night I'll remember for the rest of my life, and a night that I think changed rugby league in Queensland forever. Managed to Shanghai one of the fins, brought it home, had all the boys over a few weeks later for a, a triple header on the Sunday. And the only rule was as soon as you entered, you had to drink a beer out of the fin. Was it the most airtight vessel? No, but we had a good time. And that's <laughs> no, all that matters. No, it was fucking radioactive the next morning. I'll tell you that. <laughs> I had to call Hazmat to come and get rid of it, man. But one thing you can't get rid of is the optimism surrounding the Dolphin season this year. I think there's a tremendous scope for improvement in this squad. Mm. Bright, what are you sort of looking at? as the major areas or the the major players who can really go next level this year? Yeah, I just think the the outside backs is huge for them because as much as we – look, I will talk, and I'm sure, Campo, you're the same. I'm happy to talk about the Lee Cousins until the cows come home about how fantastic they are. To have them so, – like, to go from them to having, like, a, a, a Herbie Farnworth – and an Avarillo, you know, these kind of guys, that is a big step up in like star power, in quality. I think having that service out there is going to be huge. Uh, the development, I, I was really, really happy with the, the development of some of the younger forwards last year too. Like I thought Lemuelu came along in massive leaps and bounds. He was one of our best forwards, our most explosive forwards by the end of the year. He's going to be a bit slow to start because of that knee injury, but someone like him sort of, you know, growing another leg again on that edge is just going to be huge. So I think there's really good youth there. We've bought really, really well. As you said, I think there's a few re like really solid buys. Flegler's obviously going to be huge as like that young, you know, forward leader that they all want to come off, you know, combine him with Tommy Gilbert. There might be a few penalties and a few sin bins in there between those two. But, yeah, I just think I look around the park, probably the halves are somewhere where I think they've really got to kick forward. Like I mm. I think everywhere else it, it's really looking on the up. And, and like, I will I will sing Isaiah Katoa's praises, you know, as long as you want me to. But I think he – I'd really like to see him take the next step this year because I, I think if he doesn't, as, as weird as this is to say, I thought Cody Nikarima played pretty well at 5'8 last year. Like there weren't – all that many defensive signs that were good, but you know, he, he definitely laid on some good tries. He was good in attack for them. So I wouldn't like to think that Katoa will be going bad enough that Cody mm. can replace him. Uh, but yeah, that halves is probably the big one that I want to see a bit of a pickup from the Finns for sure. Definitely yeah, think we go on, go on, Bungers. I was going to say, yeah, it, it, he really impressed me last year, Katoa. And you just don't want to get into a situation where he doesn't kick on this year. And it's, 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 it, I don't think really, really he could ask for a better sort of network of coaching, especially Wayne Bennett, in terms of like the support that he will get. That if he, if he need, you know, whether to use the carrot or the stick at various points in the season, there's no reason to not expect him to improve. But obviously, we have seen this with young Haas before. So I agree completely that I think that that is the biggest question mark going forward. But you, you have to be hopeful that, that he is more than capable of making that leap. I mean, he played really well last year, and this is a guy that's came into that position with 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 a lot of pressure. This is a, this is a guy that had never played first grade before, who'd spent what two years being talked about as what the, the greatest halfback, teenage halfback prospect in in Australia. And you know, I think he lived up to those expectations last year, and I'm really excited to see what he can do. 
2024. It's an interesting one. I thought he started the season really, really well, mm. but then once Sean O'Sullivan went down and Katoa almost true. by necessity got pushed into being that pl- main playmaker role, I think it was probably a little bit too much for him that early. And then the rigors of a, of a long rookie season sort of started to tell as well. But you, you mentioned this before, Bright. You know, O'Sullivan only got 14 games in. Uh, Jeremy Marshall King only got 15 games in. So all of a sudden, you're having a lot of changes at hooker, you're having a lot of changes in the halves. It's not the easiest environment for a young half to sort of find his way. And so if they can just sort of get a bit of stability in those key positions around him, like we kind of know what Sean O'Sullivan is at this point. He's a consummate professional, gets the team around the park really, really well. Jeremy Marshall getting one of the great improvers across the entire league over the last three or four years. You've got the hammer out the back, like, you know, what more needs to be said? There's going to be more weapons for Katoa on the edges. You know, you mentioned Connolly Lemuelu. He's a player I'm a tremendous fan of as well. And then the two centers this year are going to be Herbie Farnworth and Jake Avarillo. And I guess if you have some Park Avenue sensibilities, you could say that they're better options than Brenko Lee, but I wouldn't say (laughs) something like that. Like, yeah, sure. Herbie Farnworth was the best center in the league last year. And Brenko Lee played 17 games that didn't score a try, but... I know who I'm going with. <laughs> Mate, if they're playing in Queensland, I, I think I looked it up for a G-Up Twitter post one day, but Edric and Branko have never lost a game when playing in the same side in Queensland. So Brian, I, I, text, think... I text you every time that happens. <laughs> I say, like, the, the, stri- the streak lives. How many so games is that streak more. up to? Oh, look, uh, well, it, was one, seven, it, well, but... it started with one fateful origin decider, Matthew. Of course. Is, is Corey Allen involved in this in any way? No, because he didn't have the he didn't have the gumption to come up to Redcliffe with the boys. You should have you should have Corey. Should have gone oh, to Redcliffe. We're having a laugh, but Farnworth, I did I did think he was the best center in the league last year. Um and I think he's found such a great mix of yardage work where I think he was top ten in meters gained across the season, and then also with his great attacking stuff, which we all know really well. I think everyone's expecting him to be a big success, but I'm very, very excited about what Jake Avarillo can do for this team as well. I thought in a really, really bad dog side last year, he was he was the closest thing there to a constant threat. And he's actually one of the very few players who I thought improved on his on his uh, season from the year before and probably their best player over the course of the year. And I think it's clear the sort of uh, physical abilities that he's got and he's got a lot out of himself despite being in some not so great situations at Canterbury. The idea of him getting sort of the Wayne Bennett shine is really, really exciting to me. I think he could be set for an absolute monster season. Yeah, no, I'm, I he was one who I was really surprised to get, if I'm honest, because I mm-hmm. thought, I don't know if he's a Bulldogs junior, but I know he has a lot of history with the Dogs. You know, like I, I knew that they valued him a lot at the, at the Dogs from everything that was coming out of there. So, yeah, I, and I didn't think they were under that much salary cap stress, so he was one that I, I just couldn't believe when I saw it. And, I yeah, the more I kind of paid attention to him as the season went on, a, a bit like what you were saying, I thought he just was a shining light in that dog side. And I'm super keen to see what he can do. I think, uh, you know, it, it makes it that it won't be super obvious every time, I'll you know, Herbie ball. Like, we're not just throwing the ball to Herbie. Like, it could go either way because Jake, I think, will provide, you know, it might not be quite as to the heights of Herbie in terms of an attacking threat. But yeah, it's super exciting to have a real weapon on either edge. Mm. They haven't made a huge number of signings, but the ones they have made are all very impressive. I think those three guys, Avrilo Farmworth and Tom Flegler, we haven't really talked about yet. All obviously established first grade players. And then in the latter two cases, you know, 
established stars, I would say. And I mean, looking at getting Flegler in there, Bri, along with getting Gilbert back uh, after his injury, how are you feeling about the forward pack as a whole? Because like, I look at it and I think that like if you get 20-something games out of Jeremy Marshall King as well, and it's looking pretty solid. Yeah, I think the two holes, they were missing like a real solid, like younger prop. Like that was mm. a big, you know, because, and once again, as much as I'm sure you'd uh, you'd be happy to talk about Mark Nichols and how, how much of a, you know, just a wonderful stalwart he is, I, I think he's much better coming off the bench as opposed to, you Absolutely. know, being that, yeah, being that second starting front rower. So they filled that hole. And then the other hole was, I think, as much as I love Kenny Bromwich, I think him playing 80 on an edge, just mm. probably not the best design for a team in 2024. And Lemuelu, his emergence has just allowed now for Kenny Bromwich to kind of float, you know, between that. I think he can play a bit of ball playing lock. He can play on the edge a little bit. So I, I really feel like those two holes have been plugged well. Absolutely. So the Dolphins pack going into that inaugural season, they had a lot of war horses, a lot of guys with a lot of runs on the board. Mm. And I actually think on the whole, when everyone was fit, they did quite well. You know, they probably sort of outperformed a lot of expectations. You know, I think the change of scenery did a lot of blokes a lot of good. But once Tom Gilbert went down, that lack of sort of explosive power in the forwards was really, really apparent. I thought, and I thought Gilbert was the club's best player through 11 games. I know he was the, one of the real breakout players. He was the players. heart and soul too, mate. Like 100%, 100%. Yeah. So to that end, adding adding Flegler and getting Gilbert back, it really does address those weaknesses. It They still have all the old guys with all their cunning and all their, their dad strength and all that sort of deal. But now they've got in Flegler like a test and origin prop and like a bit of a wild man and they needed a wild man, you know, and they've got Gilbert, another wild man. You know, so they, they, I feel like you're right. They've really addressed the the shortcomings of that forward pack. And we've talked a lot about their player depth last season. They used 32 players. It's the second most of any team in the league. And they probably had the, the worst depth of any team in the league. But by just putting a little bit of that mustard on top of the roster, all of a sudden guys who were every week starters last year now become backups. Like for example, you and Aitken who played nearly every single game, I'm assuming he'll drop back to the bench or something. And then that's really good cover for center or second row. You know what I mean? So by getting these stars in your depth improves because they move to the top of the ladder. So I think you're right. Like there were some pretty clear issues for this roster last year and they haven't just taped them over. They've like welded them shut. It's good stuff. Yeah, no, it's got me, it's got me really, yeah, really hoping that they can get a bit of injury luck because I think if they, if they can, especially in those spine like pieces, I, like, uh, yeah, I, I just think that, yeah, they could really challenge for that top eight, which would just be huge in, in their second season. Yeah, I, I think there's no reason not to expect them to be in and around that. I mean, we'll get to our predictions at the end, but mm. I completely agree with everything both of you just said that that there's, that the, they're looking a lot more formidable on paper this year. I know the games aren't played on paper, but if they can just avoid an injury crisis, I think like they, this is it. Like, cause last year, right. Losing anyone was an injury crisis. Yeah. You're like, Oh shit. How are we going to do this without Mark Nichols? But this year you can afford to lose a couple of guys and you've got good cover guys like you and Aiken, who Campo just mentioned, who probably will be on the bench to start the season. Like there, there's good cover in a lot of spots where over the course of a rigorous rugby league season, you do lose guys because the, the miles add up and just having those guys is, is such an underrated aspect of an NRL club. It, it's why the clubs that have been at the top have been there for as long as they have. It's because they can, they can have guys who can come in for a week or two and just 
just do a job, just fill a hole. Um, and you didn't really have that last year. And and now yeah. I think you kind of do. Yeah, it's com- competition for spots is huge. Like, you know, as Campo said, you've got you and Aitken there. You've got a guy like Ray Stone, you know, who once again, you talk about the heart and soul, like he was massive for the, I guess, the ethos of the club last year. Like he's not assured a position. When Lemuelu's fit, Kenny Bromwich might even have to start off the bench, you know, these kind of things. So there just is that little bit more competition for spots. Cody Nicarim is floating around. Uh, you know, the ghost of Anthony Milford's there somewhere. Like, I can't you know, believe they're... he's still on the roster. <laughs> I, I had compl- like, I've got the roster in front of me now, so I can just sort of like yep. look at it at will. And first name on the list, A Milford. I was like, holy <laughs> shit. And I saw something like a like an article the other day where it's like, oh, Wayne's put the the put the gauntlet down to Milford. He's got to prove himself. And I'm like, are we not past this? Are we not? Like, surely we're past Milford trying to, as sad as it is, like, you know, he was obviously such a fantastic player, but he's just not that guy anymore. Yeah, so, like, that, that cake's baked now. Yeah. He's, <laughs> he's fine to have on the roster as a, as a backup, yeah. you know, to, like, as to what we, we sort of said before. Um, with these shows, Bri, we always like to pick out a young player or an emerging player for people to keep their eye on. It is an older roster, but are there any sort of young fellas that you're really, really keen on in this Dolphins side? Yeah, so I think Jack Bostock is probably the big one. He's been spoken about a bit in the preseason as to, like, it's looking like he might jag that wing spot in round one. Uh, We all know how we like our, you know, uh, comparisons, our young Darren Lockyers or our young Alfie Langers, but he he really does have that Campbell Graham kind of game about him. Oh, I like it. There we go. That's a a slick comparison. I don't know if you heard the Patreon episode of Camp and I did a couple of weeks ago, Brian, but we talked about having more comps to – players a tier further down and the next Campbell Graham is a fantastic one. Yeah. So you, you've understood the assignment. Now, now I'm there excited. Yeah. So yeah, I like, I, I really, I, I, he's tall, he's rangy. Good. It looks like he'd be really good in the air. I haven't seen a lot of him play. I saw a few of his Q cup games last year and he, he just looks solid. He looked like he needed to put a bit of meat on the bones though. So Hopefully he's done that over the off season, but he's someone who I, yeah, I'm just really excited to see go around. And then probably the other one, once again, I don't know a lot about him, but just everything I've heard is that Oren Keeley, I think from uh, come up from the Knights, I believe. Mm. Uh, so yeah, everything that I've heard about him, it, you know, he, he could be a really, really solid purchase for them as a, as a younger forward who could really become something. So yeah, I think there's a few guys coming through, but yeah, probably Bostock's the one who I think could, could potentially start from round one and the wing, that wing spot. I mean, Tessie new doesn't really do a lot for me. Um, you know, Edric is there and I, I like as much as I like Edric, I'd prefer him with Brenko next to him, as we've spoken about. Uh, and then I think the only other one, well, it, look, he will have to beat out Val Tafare for that wing spot. So that if he can overcome Val Tafare, he's probably going to win uh, rookie of the year. So that that's mm-hmm. all I would say. Oh, Oren yeah. Keeley, man. Like you better, you better be tough as shit with a name like Oren. Yeah, you know, it sounds it sounds like a geological term. You know, it mm. sounds like a type of rock. Yeah, <laughs> I'm sure he is. I'm sure he is. Yeah. But um, yeah, no, I I like that comp a lot, Brian. I'm looking forward to the the clickbait website headlines now. NRL influences huge rookie comp to grand final hero. So NRL uh, physio Brian Sini has lacked has has not added know, insult to this injury. Colourful rugby league character, <laughs> oh, Brian Oh, I like Seedy. that. I like that. Yeah. 
the 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 young fella I'm really excited about at the Dolphins. He only played a couple of games last year, but I really like the look of Max Plath. So he only got, he, I think he had one game off the bench, and then he started um, the final game against of the season against the Warriors. But he had a really good year in the Q Cup. He had a really big preseason enough so that he got re-signed on a three-year deal. I think at the start of yeah. December because they were so impressed with his attitude. Um, and while they have like the Dolphins have a fair few people who can sort of cover at hooker if Marshall King was to go down. Like they've got Harrison Graham, who I think was the club's first signing. They could put Cody Nicarima in there for a second if they have to. I think Mason Teague's played there a little bit. So is Ray Stone. But I, I really like the look of Max Plath. He'd be someone to keep an eye on. And then another guy who's not a young, or he's still, he's not old, but I wouldn't say he's a young fella. I think Josh Kerr's going to have a monster season. Mate, you should have seen him at the fan day. I did not even recognise him. I, I was walking around and I was like, who is that? Like, who have we signed? Josh Kerr, if if Val Tafare stripped 15 kegs, Josh Kerr stripped He's 20. I'm only going to say Josh Kerr's picked it up. He's no, like just mate, mate. He, like, because I always, I was talking about it the other day. He, like, they always used to say, oh, he can play on an edge when he was at the Dragons. And yeah. I was like, mate, he's way too big to play on an edge. Like, he just is. Mate, I saw him the other day and I was like, holy shit. Like, he, he reminded me of, like, a rugby union second rower. Like, because he's Ooh, so tall. Yeah but really like rangy and just really skinny. So I'm like, well, like I, I assume that's what they wanted to do with him over the off season is trim some of the fat. And he, yeah, he looks like a different person. Purr's a little bit like Avarillo where I think he's done okay in a team that probably wasn't doing that great. Now I don't think he's sort of been in a great uh, coaching environment to sort of just get the best out of him, but I know he has a really, really good attitude. Um, you guys will remember that he was in that extended Queensland squad in 2020, the worst team ever. And every year they give out like the toss a Turner medal for like Queensland spirit or whatever. The Mitch he, Marsh award. Yeah, pretty much, pretty much. <laughs> and he got it without winning it, without playing a game. Like that's sort of how good he was around the boys. And if you have that sort of team spirit in you, if that sort of work ethic in you, then you almost always do really, really well under Wayne Bennett, you know? So I, I know he got there in the middle, in the middle of last year, played a few games, but I think getting a preseason in up there, I reckon it'll go a long, long way. So I'm not saying he's going to be churning out 100-plus super coach scores, but I think he's going to be a, a, a really effective contributor for him this year. With, with me on this show, mate, that's all you're going to get is super coach people listening <laughs> in to see if I give any injury, you know, inside injury info. So you better be ready. <laughs> yeah. So, Brian, I'm not sure if you've uh, across how we're selecting this year's team of the podcast. I would bloody love the Dolphins to be the team of the podcast. But – uh if people miss Monday's preview, what we're doing is I'm going to Vegas for the games. I'm going to do one spin on roulette. Each guest we're having on is picking a couple of numbers on the wheel. If their number comes up, they're the team of the podcast. So the Dolphins did not make the finals last year, Brian. You get three slots on the wheel. We're going to go 12, 13, and 25, Matt. Okay. Well, I got some – I now hope def- – well, 13 is my birthday and the number I always bet on when I walk into a casino for the first time. Put ten bucks on thirteen, fourteen, because that's my birthday, and my wife's birthday. So yeah, well, I very, very my... much hope the team of the pod will be the Dolphins. That is my wife and my two daughters' birthdays, mate. Oh, that, that's about as good Love as it that. gets. Having um, it in the family, indeed. So I first big swing of the year. I've got them in. They're eighth on my ladder. Bins up, baby. I, I like it. So the the way that my I'm sort of seeing the ladder this year, I think. There's the best four teams in the comp, and I'm pretty locked into them to being in the top four. I think there's two teams that are pretty clearly worse than everyone else. 
and another team that I'm not that high on. But then everyone else from about fifth down to about 13th, I can see making the finals. And I've got the Dolphins right in the middle of that group. I've got them in ninth, but if they made the eight, I would not be surprised in the slightest. I think this is a squad capable of doing it. I think Wayne Bennett is about to go on one of his uh, season-long I want a new job type tours. And the best way to sort of secure the next thing is to go well with the current thing. So I think he's going to coach his ass off. I think they're going to play their asses off. I've got him in ninth, but again, I wouldn't be surprised at all I, if they make the eight. I do, I do love that you're qualifying that. Like it's this big jump, one spot on the ladder. Um, I'd, I'd love the reverse if you picked them ninth, but you'd be like flabbergasted if they finished eight. <laughs> <laughs> ninth? Sure, but eight? No, no. I can't see it. Brian, well, what about you? Mate, it's, it's just like that when you make the finals, but That's I guess true. you've forgotten that. I have forgotten what that feels like. <laughs> I've got to, I've got to put them in the eight. I think I was horrible. I might have, you know, tipped them to run last last year. So I'm going to say eight. I'm going to be a bit more Good positive man. this year and uh, hopefully, yeah, get along to a few more wins. All right. Thank you so much for coming on, my friend. We will see you very soon. No worries, guys. Thanks for having me on. Fins up. Fins, Fins up, up bro. Baby. And joining us now from AAP, Raiders man, the pride of Huddersfield, George Clark. Hello. Hello, Matthew. Hello, Nicholas. What's going on, mate? Uh, waiting for the footy season to kick off. Make mm. a welcome change from covering the R Liga. Uh, How's that been going? Long, it's long and arduous. Well, it's good when coaches decide they want to take stop, take issue with everything. And it's true. I did enjoy. Um, I did enjoy that ball definitely not going over the line. Um, yep. And them saying, "Oh, why doesn't the A League have goal line technology?" And I'm like, "Why don't they have many of the things that <laughs> expensive leagues have?" Um, Why are they playing at Campbelltown Stadium in the first place? Well, please, please, no shots at my beloved MacArthur FC Bulls of MacArthur, who I've supported since I was a boy. Mm. But like, there's still another three and a half months to go of the A League season, so there's plenty of time to discuss the Wellington Phoenix and the North Queensland Gold Coast United Fury and all of those. Please stay on task. Okay, I apologize. Uh, instead of that, we'll go to an equally pointless lime green franchise as the North Queensland Fury in the Canberra Raiders, who've won the same number of premierships since the North Queensland Fury were incepted. That's that's nice of you, Bungard. Hey, he's bought his, fight, he's bought his fighting boots today. Uh, let's, right. let, let's not forget which of the our two oh. teams being discussed. Yeah, yeah. Podcast made the eight, but one of them is a big club, huh? So, that's um, true, yeah. I mean, yeah, yeah hang, hang, hang the banner. Canberra Raiders Week One Finals participant 2023. Well, we Put just have so there. we just have so many of those final. Oh, like we're running out of room, you know. Like yes, there are I mean, that's the... walls in Canberra. <laughs> just well, that is is that because the, they've all been trained down by these boys who've got can higher a wall be, aspirations. Can a wall be trained down? Well, if the house is getting trained down, presumably walls are part of that. The house, that that would have that would have to be part of it. Yeah, I would imagine that that's um, the first part to go. You think I'm no There's structural a... engineer, but if Trey mm. Mooney ran at a wall, I reckon the wall doesn't like that. <laughs> yeah, I think it's well, fair. walls walls have a great lifetime record against like people. Trey you know That's what I mean? True. Like <laughs> like felt like you know, there's fellas out there who like punch walls and stuff. The walls never lost that battle. Mm. It takes what, it what... takes a whole summer of training to to defeat it. <laughs> yeah. What's the what's the like thickest wall you think like the most powerful runner in the NRL could run through? Like what's it made out of? Like, do you think they could uh, run through like a drywall, for example? Josh Hodgson tried to, he, he successfully ran through a door. Okay. What was the he door wasn't made the, of? He wasn't the hardest runner in the world. So, was it, was it, was it a pine? 
uh, Willow? Contrary to media reports, I was not there at the time. Oh, Matthew, okay. So right. I could not say. Yeah. I mean, I, I'd love to see that in the, the All-Stars skills challenges, like the biggest, meatiest dudes in the era running into various doors of various thickness. You'd need, a bit of, you'd need a bit of speed. So like mm. I... I wouldn't, I'd want to get someone who's got like a bit of burst over 10 meters, like a yeah, sofa solar mode is probably yeah, not good to go yeah, through yeah, a wall. Yeah, yeah. Maybe, this is another, maybe this is another idea for grand final day, huh? You know, you yeah. get the running through the wall, you get the 100 meter sprint, the fastest mm. guys, you know, that old chestnut. You bring back the bears, obviously, and also <laughs> bring back the bears. The Country footy's dying. Like, you know, we just, yeah. hit, we just hit all the. We're, we're, we'll, we'll delve into this at a later date because it's not the time, but like, how did they just arbitrarily just go, well, North City Bears have 200,000 members and we can't ignore that? It's like, what? <laughs> no sporting club in Australia has 200,000 members. For no. a uh, much more reasoned and clear-eyed take on the Bears, I'd encourage you all to go read Ben uh, Horn's. Oh. Ben Horn's article in the Daily Telegraph. It should be in tomorrow's paper. It's up online now. Ben, he's a great Bears man, and he actually knows what he's talking about with this stuff. So go check that out if you want to talk about that. But from one dead franchise to the franchise that refuses to die, George is a Raiders man, so that's what we're here doing today. They're Seems to be an expectation that the ass is going to totally fall out of the Raiders this season. I think they are fourth longest in premiership third. betting. Outrageous. Third. Like genuinely yeah, outrageous. Like, teams like the Bulldogs and the Dolphins are shorter odds to win the premiership. Like ridiculous. To me, this is uh, something very familiar because nearly all through my life, even after a season where the Raiders did okay and made the finals like they did last year, they would always be tipped to either win the wooden spoon or finish right near the bottom the following season. George, as a newer Raiders fan, this is a new experience for you. How have you found it? Um, I, I kind of, uh, despite everything this team does to me, I still find reasons to be positive about what they can do. So, like, you know, last year they scrape into the eight playing pretty much garbage football at the back end of the year. Uh, didn't go to Amy Park, so didn't, didn't chalk up a, a win. Had to go to Newcastle, lost. That was the Jack Wyden game. But Jack Wyden's gone. And like most people will go, oh, you've lost a, a rep player. That's a really bad thing. But mm. he he just wasn't t- ticking the boxes for what they needed for a player in that position. Um, so kind of a, a new era begins. And I, I'm, I'm, quite, I'm quite a beat. Like this is probably like the end of kind of a chapter of the Raiders I've known since I've been here, you know, like, Papali, Rapana, Elliot Whitehead are all at the back end now. And you you probably look into those guys like Tarpanay and Hudson Young and Corey Horsbury have kind of established themselves. And it's all, I guess, about them taking the next step and the, the other guys coming, coming beneath them, uh, which gives me confidence. I think so much of this year, though, just defend, depends on if Jamal Fogarty can stay fit, they're in with a fighting chance because he's got a great kicking game. He's the only settled member of this spine which petrifies me, but also kind of excites me in some other ways, like that appeals to the perverse parts of my mind. The Raiders, um, the Raiders live on the cutting edge of terrifying, exciting, and perverse. Yes, where the, where yeah. those three sensations meet, you will find a lime green jersey. It's like a Dali painting, really, it is. So A Dali um, painting that could explode at any moment without notice. That's true, that's true. But no, I'm, I'm like, people always say, you know, they're going to, they're going to finish bottom down the bottom end of the table, but every year they kind of confined it, confound expectations. You know, they've got a really solid pack. I think the backline's full of guys who, you know, are ready to establish themselves at the, the top end of town. And um, I guess, yeah, the only real, real question mark I have over them is the 
combination of the nine, six, seven, one. You've hit on a lot of things that I want to sort of dig into there, but let's start at the start with Whiten, right? If you guys are out reading a lot of season previews at the moment, and I know you all, you all are, none of us can help it. Like we are, we're all desperate for footy stuff after the long and pointless summer. The phrase I keep coming up with when I read Raiders ones is the roster has a lack of star power, right? And that to me is just code for, I don't watch the Raiders a lot, so I don't actually know a lot about their players. So I don't know who are the good players on the roster. So I don't think they have any stars, right? Whiten was the team's biggest star and had been for a long time. I don't want any of this to come across like uh, sour grapes or anything like that. I wanted the Raiders to keep Whiten, even though I think he'd, underperformed pretty badly, especially over the last two mm. seasons. And like George said, I just don't think his skill set was really fit for purpose for what they needed from that position. You know, I think he'd had a lot of times over the last two seasons where he just sort of drifted through games. He wouldn't really attack the attack matches the way that you would need your chief playmaker and theoretically best player to do so. Canberra's record without Whiten over the past five seasons is 11 wins and two losses which is a staggering thing to hear about again, a guy who, again, is theoretically the best player on the team. So while, again, I wanted Whiten to stay, I would have been happy if Canberra gave him that million-dollar contract, even though I think it was too much money, because I think part of what Canberra has to do is they have to look after the guys that have done a lot for them. They've run a little bit differently to a lot of other clubs. Having said that, now that he has left, I am kind of excited for the possibilities that opens up. And chief among that is the guy George mentioned, Jamal Fogarty, who I really rate as well. And I think he's still just scratching the surfaces of his talent. You know, I think about some of the games he played last year, some of the stuff he was able to do with his kicking game. Like when they played the Broncos earlier in the season, Whiten's out, Fogarty's the lead playmaker. And in a yardage battle, he outkicks Adam Reynolds. It was a really difficult thing to do. There was a game up at the footy stadium against the Roosters where, again, he just totally kicks them to death. He's got the capabilities to have one of the best kicking games in the competition. He's also a really good runner and a really good passer. If they can find a way to sort of empower him and really bring out the, his very best football, I agree with George. I think it could be a real breakout season for him. But the tough part, as always, is Ricky Stewart's weird with halfbacks. He has mm. been his entire coaching career. But if somehow it can all come together for Fogarty, I'm expecting a, a monster year. It could be a real, a real career year for him. Is it possible that Ricky wants to ensure that his legacy as the Raiders' greatest ever halfback is never even remotely broached? And that's why he repeatedly sabotages the position. Well, he's doing a fine job of it. <laughs> if that is his, <laughs> if that is his objective, him. yeah. Yeah, well, that, that might explain why he met, let Matt Frawley go of the offseason. So. Mm. Um, but, yeah, I, I think I think we saw an evolution in Fogarty. Like, Nick touched on his kicking game. I think the games, the two games which really stand out for me were the two games against the Dolphins last year. So, round two, they go up to Dolphins Stadium and there was no one really, like, uh, kind of exerting themselves and kind of demanding the ball when they needed it. I think from memory, Nick, you're kind of looking, furrowing your brow. And then the, the one in like round 10 or so in Wagga and Fogarty was the guy who kicked the winning field goal. And I think that was the, I want to say White was also playing in that game. And he was the the guy who's probably played paid twice as much as Fogarty 
but didn't kind of step up to the plate when they needed him mm. in both those games, whereas whereas Foggy was the guy. So, like, yeah, excited to see what you can do. I guess the, the question which I, I imagine you want to get into is who the hell partners him in mm. six, who the hell plays one and who plays nine? Because those are the real positions yep. that are Absolutely. in a state of flux. Though. My biggest problem with your team this year is exactly that, George. And I don't necessarily disagree with everything that you guys have said about White in the last couple of minutes. I think you're right. I think that, that it was time to move on. I think it was best for both parties to go in separate directions. But that's the main problem for me is Matt Frawley's gone. You let Schneider go the year prior it doesn't really feel like anyone's massively throwing their hand up to be next to Fogarty. I know you've got um, MLB network nanoseconds to potentially partner him after he's come down from Manly. But well, KO Week says he's occasionally known. Yeah, sorry. We're, this is one of our dumbest running jokes, but um, a streaming service followed by a unit of time. But um, it, it doesn't really, you know, ring... Uh, me with too much confidence nor does the weird situation with your hooker position that you just touched on george where it seems like they're just not picking the guy that most people who watch canberra play every week think is clearly the best guy or the best rotation of guys so who, who do you think that is matt well it's i don't think it's danny levi that's that's my problem but he okay. seems to be ricky stewart's favorite and then some some amount of wolford and starling together i don't really know how you get the balance right but See, I, I think I think you're right there. Is is Wolford Wolford then Stalin coming off the bench? Mm. You could let Stalin run at people because that's his real strength. Yeah, and then I absolutely. think Levi is and probably... fighting the law and winning. He's good at that too. <laughs> he is. He is. And the other guy to mention that is a guy called Adrian Trevilian, who's played a couple of games. Oh, was like a, a, 006. A, How could I forget? <laughs> like really high rated schoolboy, but like his schoolboy no player of the year a couple of years ago, right? Yeah, yeah. It was. Yeah, yeah, yeah. He held that title for three years because of COVID. Mm. Because COVID, yeah, yeah, I remember the first trial came in 2022, and I was like mad that Campo hadn't told me that there was a guy with a James Bond name in the Raiders setup. Still haven't forgiven him, but maybe no, maybe Double Six can make that leap this year as well. You've just yeah. hit on what is my major concern for the Raiders. I kind of disagree with you, Bungard, and I think that there are exciting options at each position. Like, I think Xavier Savage at fullback would be a really good move, even after the tough season he sort of had away from football last year. I think his talent his athleticism mm. has been plain to see in the first grade he's played i think it's also really clear that wolford starting and starling off the bench it's not like a glamour combination but it's a combination that works for the raiders since wolford came into the team almost out of nowhere at magic round 2022 he'd only signed for the club about a month beforehand but since he came into the team when he plays canberra's got something close to a top four record mm. you know and i know you know wins and losses aren't a quarterback stat and they're not a dummy half stat, but that's not nothing. And in some really big spots, he's played really well for them. KO weeks or UFC fight pass minutes, as he's sometimes known. True. I reckon I've watched every game he's played in first grade. I don't know if he's good or not. It's still way too early for me to say. He hasn't even played that much 5'8 in reserve grade. Most of the 5'8 he has played, or most of the reserve grade he has played, he has been at fullback. But the track record Canberra has had in recent years of getting really talented young blokes who have sort of stagnated, then they come down to the club, work really hard, and then become productive first graders. There's a lot of guys on that list. There's a lot of guys on that list. That's kind of Canberra's, mm. Canberra's, Canberra's play. It's the only recruitment play they've really got. So I'm happy yeah. to, to give him every chance. However, I could also see a round one team where 
Jordan Rapana, who I love, but is also old and crazy where he's playing fullback and where Danny Levi is starting at hooker and weird stuff happens in the back line and weird stuff happens in the forward pack. It, it all, that, that feels very, very possible to me because Ricky Stewart has this really strange habit of changing things up late in the preseason, but difficult to discern reasons. It happened last year with Levi and Wolford. It happened last year with um, Xavier Savage and Sebastian Chris. And while over the course of the season, the Raiders usually end up finding their best 17 somewhere. How long that process takes general is generally is what determines how successful they are. If they don't settle on their best 17 until round 20, then the season's gone. If they can get there in the first couple of weeks, then all of a sudden we might be, we might be doing something. So do you think there's a good team here? There's exciting stuff. How long does it take them to find it? Mm. I don't know, but you guys will be with me on that journey every oh, step yeah. of the way as I slowly spiral down into madness. It is. So it's it's look quite, forward to that. You know, if you if you if you can't handle Campo, it is sitting in a dark corner after a twenty point lead has been squandered in round six. You don't deserve him at his charhooing at Magic Round. That's just you got to be there for <laughs> you got to be there for every step of the, the right. The duality of man. Exactly, but like, dude. The, the the savage thing is massive to me. I agree with you. He's looked amazing every time I've seen him play. Not not necessarily like the full package, but you can see that there's a really talented footballer in there. And it's seen, like there's a running joke kind of with you and the other people in our in our Raiders Discord and our Patreon that like Ricky will do anything he can to stop Savage Savage from playing fullback. And it is kind of maddening to me that because yeah, Jordan Rapana is an ama- he's one of the greatest Raiders of all time. Been an amazing club servant for a long long time. But it's clear to me that if they want to be a premiership contender again, they've got to get a bit more dynamism out of that position. And I think the most dynamic guy they have by a mile is Savage. And it's 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 strange to me to just see this repeated sort of will they or won't they thing with will, will he pick him at fullback or not? Like he and, and there was a point where he wasn't even playing fullback in reserves last year, right? He was playing on the wing and played a bit of five eight too. So it's a real strange situation there. But I really hope that if and when he gets a chance, he plays good enough that there's no possibility of that changing again in 2024. The, I was going to make a point there. Yeah, there, Matt. Is Go on, George. If you, if you if you're talking about him playing on the wing, the back end of last year, the one guy who dislodged him because he had he had he had a rotten run with injuries and and such like all through last year. The guy who came in, uh, who kept him out of the fullback jersey in, in Reggie's, was a guy called Chevy Stewart, who again, really good schoolboy. Everything you hear about him is 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 positive. Um, so I'm like. Do we know if he's not jumped him to start this year? And uh, obviously, Seb Chris is still suspended for round one. Am I right? Um, I think round one and round two. Round one and round two. So you're thinking Rapina will play on the wing with Kotrick to start round one and then go from there. So the, the spot is essentially Savages to lose if he can start their you know, year well. Um, see the the thing is though george i have no idea if it is the, if it is his spot to lose or not and yeah. i have no idea if like one crazy thing can happen in a trial game or one crazy thing can happen in a training session before we're around one and then ricky will make the the big change you know like ricky's not afraid of making big changes but sometimes i feel like he does it for almost no reason like and for a really good example of that look no further than the end of last year when he moved jack whiten from five eight to yeah. center like he changed up his whole back line for reasons that were never really explained. And he sort of hid behind this talk that Jack Whiten's always been a center and he's just done us a favor playing five, eight for the last 
half decade, which it's nice of him. Like very I want yeah, to play half very, back at South. Yeah, I very, want that, George. I've said that to you. <laughs> so I, I mate, I, I don't know. And I think it's it's almost pointless to speculate on whether it's going to be Stuart or Savage or um Chris or maybe Weeks goes back there or maybe Albert Hopper Wadi. Like it, it's impossible to know. You know, you can't get inside the mind of Ricky Stewart in these <laughs> in these instances, you know. So if it was me, it'd be Savage. I uh, I've heard a lot about Chevy Stewart. I watched him a little bit in reserve grade last year. He was still only 18. He looked really young out there. There were flashes where you were like, yeah, wow, this kid's clearly got something. But I think he probably just needs a little bit more time, um, which, you know, I'd, I'd be I'd be happy for the Raiders to give him. Um, yeah, I, 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 don't, I don't know what they're going to do. I think anyone who says they know what Canberra's going to do is kind of kidding themselves on that. The way I feel about the Raiders is remember that remember the scene in Seinfeld where George like nobody knows what this guy's gonna do talking about Steinbrenner. That's Mm. kind of how I feel like every time you talk about Ricky Stewart's decision making process because it's true. There's not really a lot of rhyme or reason to it. A lot of the time, it is just a complete waste of time to try and work out what he's thinking. But hey, it works. It works more often than not. That's the thing. The Raiders have made the finals four out of the last five years. You know, and every time they've made the finals, they've either made it to week two or further, or the exception was last year when they went up to Newcastle with a incredibly undermanned team. Everyone, including me, thought they were going to get done by 40. And then they take a, a team that have won 10 in a row to extra time and, and nearly pinch it. You know, like it's just, it's one of those operations successful with the patient died type stuff, except sometimes mm. the patient lives, you know, madcap Dr. Ricky doing things unorthodox. Kind it's of a like, waste of time. Kind of like House. I don't, I've never a, watched House, but I imagine like... that's what it's like. Yeah, sure. Yeah. I, I've also never seen it. Yeah, there's there's no logic applied to Canberra. It's 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 a rugby league twilight zone where weird shit just happens. And um, yeah, it's a fool's errand to try and rationalize it, but uh, you can still enjoy it. That's right. And like, if you look at the rest of the squad, it's like George said before, it's really strong. Like they're going to have Papali, Itapane and Horsburgh starting in the middle. That's a mm. really, really good starting three. That's the sort of starting three that should be able to at least hold their own with just about any pack in the competition. Um, I really want them to have Trey Mooney and Atta Mariota as the main two guys coming off the bench. Cause I think both of them took some really big steps forwards last year, particularly in that finals loss to Newcastle, you know, Elliot Whitehead is old as hell, but I think he had a better year than, than people think last year. They've got Zach Hoskins in, who I think is a really nice fit for them. You look at the back line. Tomoko is one of the best centers in the competition. I think Seb Chris is going to have a monster year if he just slots in at left center. And then your back three options are like Rapana and Hopawati and Kotrick, who are all at the very least, you know, really good yardage men. So building the team outside in isn't unusual for Canberra. But it feels like the stakes in those spine decisions are higher than ever before. Yeah, completely agree. And it will be fascinating to see how, how it how it all plays out. George, what area like you mentioned that the middle forwards there, and I, I would agree with Camper that that is a really formidable uh, three guys that you've got there. What is that to you the biggest strength in the team as well? Yeah, yeah. I, I my my only um, my only kind of slight on that is just Ricky's use of them or because I think at times he can tend to start uh, Papali and Tarpane at the same time and then maybe lose a bit of that oomph 
Um, you know, when the likes of Gula come on uh, afterwards. So yeah, that's that's the only slight on on that pack. But it's pretty, it's pretty strong pack. You know, Hudson yeah. Young should be playing Origin this year again. You know, Zach Hoskin has looked great in the glimpses we've seen of him at Penrith. Um, and I think it speaks volumes to how highly they think of him if he's, you know, they managed to get him out of that final year of the deal. Then you even got, you know, Campo mentioned Mariotta, uh, Mooney. There was a kid who debuted at the back in the last year. Uh, Puru looked really good. And then they signed another uh, Englishman, uh, Morgan Smithy. So he has looked a really solid lock playing Super League. Don't know how he fits into this team, whether he's, they just see him as a bench player or a starter or whatever, but um, yeah, there's there's such strong depth there. Um, they're they're going to be tough to beat up the middle if they can get their rotations and stuff right. Smithies, what do you know about Smithies? I was going to ask. I was going to yeah. Go on, George. Yeah. Real kind of like gritty Englishman. Kind of there's a there's a you know he's got that kind of niggle in him. They'll push people to the edge. He can actually ball play a bit. Um, so I don't know where they're looking at playing him because when they brought him over, they said he could play as an edge or a middle. I've only ever really seen him play as a play as a middle. Uh, from memory, he hasn't played for England yet, but you kind of imagine uh, it won't be long before he does. And he's only, he's, I think he's only 22, 23. I think my brother might have even played against him. That's how young he is. Mm. Um, so it's one of those where it might just be a slow burn. They have a similar guy called Harry Rushton who came over a few years ago. Oh, the one that got uh, away. Played one game against Penrith. His parents flew out. They got towelled, and then he never played again. He's gone to Huddersfield. He was a good um, player, though. He was a good player. He was. He was you mentioned yeah. your you mentioned Finn, your brother Finn played a little bit against Morgan Smithies. Could so, can yeah. could Finn still handle him? Uh, yeah, Finn had just uh, yeah. Finn's large and in charge, man. George is a George is a big dude. He's six five. Yeah. Yeah, and Finn's like six five, and you know, stronger and tougher than George. So, get him coming off the bench. I. Don't really get what Canberra were looking for signing Morgan Smithies because they have so yeah. many middles already who I think are of first grade quality. But I'm glad you touched on Peru because if I was putting together my Raiders 17, I'd actually have Peru starting at lock. I'd have Corey Horsburgh starting at prop and I'd have Josh Papaliti coming off the bench. Part of that is because of another thing you mentioned that sometimes the Raiders can struggle to sort of stagger the, the minutes of their best middles. And I think if you have Papaliti sort of leading the charge off the bench, something in the limited times that he's done it in the past, he's done it to great effect. I think three, I, I think it's like three or four of his top 10 meters gained in a game, like of his career best or when he's come off the bench, like around origin time or whatever, you know? So given he is getting older and you want to sort of get as much use out of him as possible, I'd really like that. Corey Horsburgh had a great year last year, but, I don't want him focusing on leading the line defensively. I want him running and passing and offloading and using the the full extent of his skills and his aggression. But I do think Canberra need a passer in the middle of the field. It's something they've never really had since that position came into vogue. Horsburgh's good at it, but he's better at other things. Um, and Puru, to me, seems like a natural guy to get into first receiver a lot, lead the the line speed defensively, tighten up that middle in a way that Canberra hasn't had in a long time. I don't think any of that's going to happen, but that's what I'm dreaming about at the minute, you know? Mm. Yes. And, and and two guys we've actually touched on, but kind of, um, you know, when everyone's looking at their 
best 17s and that kind of thing. There's a lot of guys where you go, you know, quality first grading, you know, top international like Tarpanay, guy who's been around the block like Whitehead. There's two there's two guys we touched on who I really want to like see them get back to their best. Um, one is also forward Emre Gula. He's a massive body. Um, he, I just don't, for whatever reason, he's not really got going the last couple of years. And on the wing, um, Nick Chotrick, Nick Kotrick, like yeah. Campo and I have discussed about him at length. Like Albert Hopwise played really well at the back end of last year. You're never going to drop Rapiner just because he's insane. Um, so, like, what would he do Kotrick's, to you if you dropped him? I think he'd just go play golf and eat McDonald's with Nick. That's, that's kind of all he does. Well, he might, but like, we, there's no way of knowing. Like, that's that's John, that's that's John Wick five. Jordan yeah. Rapana gets dropped and like a trail of destruction through the Canberra, through the Canberra hinterlands. There would, there, that's when there'd be no walls left in Canberra, huh? <laughs> yeah, absolutely. What do you want to see from Kotrick? Because I, I agree with you. I, I think he's been really disappointing, not just last year, but for a couple of years now. I was doing some, checking out some stats over the summer. The year where he averaged the most meters per game was when he was at Canterbury which I think most people off the dome would say was the worst season of his career. He's someone who hasn't really developed that much since his rookie year, which I think is still his best year in first grade. And he's kind of at that point now where he's got to make a decision about if he really wants to commit to this stuff, you know, because when he played it, he got dropped for a while last year, Albert Hopper-Whitey was getting the start ahead of him. And when Kotrick came back into first grade for the last couple of games of the season, he was a lot better. He was good in that game against Brisbane. He was good in that loss to the Knights. But what does Nick Kotrick finally kind of getting or taking taking a step forward, getting the most out of himself? What does that look like to you, George? See, see you mentioned that Bulldogs year. I, I don't think he's been the same player since. And I reckon when he's at his strongest is when he's there's almost a bit of the um, you know the blinkers are on and he just runs, especially in yardage because he is such a big body. And he just would throw blokes out of the way. He'd skittle guys. He'd break the first line of defense on a kick return. And he just didn't really have the... I don't feel like he's played with that same gusto since he came back. So if you can if you can unlock that... I mean, he only played 13 games last year and scored three tries, which for a winger is not a lot. So that, that that's also indicative of Canberra's play. Like, he can't be solely responsible for that. But, yeah, just... When he crabbed him, when he used to crab in field, and he just take like oh, three or four sideways, with him. sideways stuff. It's got to go though. Yeah, like, I'm with you, but he's like he got this bad habit last year of getting up to the line and then just sort of stepping side to side, yeah. like he was trying to, just like he was trying to step, but he just confused that. himself. I'm like, big fella, have you seen the size here? Like just straight hard every time. Like it's a completely wild idea, but I wouldn't be that adverse of him switching to prop. And just making it as simple as possible. I'm dead set, man. Yeah, just yeah. Make it as simple as possible for him. Big Nick, here's what you do, bro. We're going to throw you the ball and you run as straight as you can and you dare him to stop you. Because, like, he's got the size to do it. He's got the athleticism to do it. And it might sound crazy, the idea of a winger playing prop, but it has been done before. Like, Daniel Vito was someone who played wing and bench middle a little bit for the Broncos. Sia Soliola started out as, as a winger. It can happen. And if Kotrick doesn't really show me something this year, then that's I think I think that's the next move is for his career, as crazy as that sounds. Wow. Right down uh, the Ockenbore Highway, they call it. <laughs> oh, These, yeah. 
but wind the, up the wind know, up the wind wind up the windows when you're driving down that road. <laughs> there was a time, there was a time not so not so long ago that you know he was talking. You know he went to the dogs to play centre, and that was after he played for New South Wales, and played for Australia. The big and signing he, at the big, time, big, yeah. and he signed for five years. Was it to the dogs? Um, oh, I can't remember. And, and he was all about you know I want to crack at centre, and I guess you know players that I think are ready to kind of take the next step this year. Um, this year coming is is, is another centre in Matt Tomoko. Like he was, he should have gone in the Kiwi squad at the back end of twenty two to the World Cup. Didn't get picked. Um, last year was amazing. Like everything you want a centre to do, and I feel like he's now at that age where he's maybe twenty four, twenty five. Um, where yeah, he maybe is going to start to announce himself. And people talk about Canberra not having enough star players. I think he might be one of them. Well, I'm man, really, I, really high on Tomoko. Mate, I am too. I had him in my team of the year last year. I think he's a super, super footballer that not enough people know mm. about. And I think Seb Chris is going to, like like how Tomoko had the breakout season at centre last year, I think Chris is going to be a little bit the same this year. Like, it's remarkable when you see the improvement in Seb Chris from year to year, particularly with his athleticism, with his strength, with his power, all that sort of stuff. I think that... I'm not. I'm not being funny. I think that could be one of the best centre combos in the league. Those two, and it could give Canberra just such tremendous strike on on both sides of the field. I'm really excited to see them put it together. Yeah, there, there, there's some really positive things both in the forwards and, and the backs. But as as we've touched on it from the start of this episode, sorry, this interview, I should say, um, my main issue is still in the halves. I don't know what's going to happen there. It could all work out. And if your forwards are good enough and you've got those strike weapons out the back and they're good enough, then you can get by with your halves only being okay. But that to me is the huge question mark for Canberra. And I'm not sure if they're going to hit the heights they've hit in the last couple of years. I know they've been so consistent under Ricky Stewart and I know they made the finals more often than not, but I just look at the way that team set up this year I don't think they've got as much as much depth in the forwards as they have in previous years. And I don't think that I know you said a lot of, I know people can say whatever they like about Jack White and including me, but um, I think that X factor is going to be missed to some degree and got them in 12th spot. Yeah. Look, wow, making okay. the finals, making the finals won't be easy. I think it'll be tougher for them than the last two seasons, just because the, the, the best version of this side is going to be a little bit, well, it's not it's not as obvious as it has been in previous years. I've got Canberra in that mix in that mess of teams who can finish anywhere from fifth to about fourteenth. Um, and it wouldn't surprise me if they slipped down to tenth or twelfth or something like that. But if you don't pick your team to finish in the oh, yeah, of in the preseason, what are you doing? You're a dog and a coward and a piece of shit, and I don't care to know you. So I'm picking the Raiders in eighth. Nice, George. Well, yeah, obviously they're scraping by with a with a gutsy two point win against the Dragons in the final game of the season. Heard it here first, baby. Yeah, I I think uh, one other thing is I I had a look at their draw and they've got some really tough games at the back end of the season. Whereas in in seasons past they have for the most part kind of really kicked on in that post Roger period where they seem to play the West Tigers and the Dragons six times each. But um, this year they've got Penrith trip to Townsville, the Roosters. Um, the Rabbitohs, the Warriors, and the Storm, all in, and the Knights, all in the last ten weeks of the season, along with a couple of easier games. So, yeah, I think that 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 was a factor for me as well. I think that was a factor for me picking them to make the eight last year was looking at their draw and just looking at how easy it got, especially in the second half of the season. 
but that that might swing a little bit the other way this this time around for them. But we didn't mention any sort of young players that people might not know about George. Is there anyone in particular that you think could be could be in the frame to have a big year this year? And Campo, I'm sure you can answer this one as well. Well, we we touched on Xavier Savage, right? It's mm. it's it's him. He's the one I want to see really step into that number one jersey and, and be the fullback. Um, and then yes, Puri Puri, who Campo and I have also touched on. We mm. I'd like to see a bit more of him this year. Um, but I'm sure you writing writing the Raiders off and putting them down in twelfth. Ricky will be playing this on loop at their uh, he will center, yeah. center of excellence. Uh, Pro- prove me wrong, Ricky. Prove me wrong. <laughs> He's gonna uh, call you before you even uploaded your podcast. He knows. He knows. <laughs> He's got ears everywhere. Uh, we mm. mentioned him a little bit earlier, but I'm all in on Trey Mooney, like 100 percent all the way. I wanted him in first grade a lot earlier than he was last year. I love uh, the explosiveness he plays with. I love the aggression he plays with. I think he's really mobile. He's got great footwork. It's getting to the point where I'm scared Canberra's going to lose him. Um, and he's already he was already linked. I think he was linked with a move to the Knights. He's linked with a move to the Sharks. Sharks well, I think, yeah. But he's ended up sticking around. Um, I'm I'm all in. I think he's fantastic. He'd be on the bench every single week if if I was picking the team. And then uh, another guy who's probably a little uh, less known, uh, Ethan Strange. He's a five eight mm. or a center. He played one game for the Raiders last year. They went down to Melbourne and lost forty eight to two. I watched it in a crackdown in Baltimore. Not a great memory. But I'm a I'm a big fan of his. I I if Ko Weeks has a tough start to the season, it wouldn't surprise me if they gave Strange a go with Seb Chris suspended for the first uh, couple of weeks of the season. I could, I think Strange could play a little bit of center there. He's a very classical sort of center, really good at sliding to the outside of his man, attracting the winger, popping a pass, something like that. Really powerful as well, similar in style to to Matt Timokos. So you know squat powerful dudes on both sides mm. of the field like who can't like that. who can't enjoy that mm. uh and george but, where sorry what were you gonna say but bungo can i just actually ask a question of you uh given today today tuesday the 6th of february it was announced that curtis scott and joey Leilua, two former raiders sons have agreed to fight each other in a boxing match yes which two south sydney players would you most like to see Square off in the ring. That is a great question. So past and past and present, right? Because that's the whole point all, of this. Is all encompassing. All encompassing. Yeah. Uh, Liam Knight versus Jai Arrow. What? Why? Why those two? They're Just mates, two... aren't they? Yeah, yeah, that's why it's funny. Okay. Okay, but the thing is, Curtis Scott was signed to replace Joe Leilua, and Joe mm. Leilua is really dirty on him. Okay. And now a- Adam Reynolds versus Lachlan Elias, then. Oh, a couple of, couple, oh. of fi- <laughs> couple of feisty bantamweights there. <laughs> <laughs> Um, there we go. Yeah, no, no. Uh, who do I hate to play for Souths? And they can fight Garthwood. <laughs> <laughs> Lambs to the slaughter. Yeah. We, we, Garth, we're, I've, Garth from the hood. Wood is Yeah, back. I don't really hate anyone that's ever played for Souths, but if I think of someone, I'll, I'll chuck them to the wolves to fight Garth from the hood. Wood, the man uh, who knocked what, out Anthony Mundine. Would, would Tane men win in a fight against Garthwood? Oh, okay. It, yeah, yeah, I think that ring, in the ring, no. On the street, yes. Under the Marquess of Queensbury, Garth's got the advantage, but you know, in the on the on the cobbles, I think I would love to see Garth Wood versus Tane Milne. That would be that would be great. Who is better at boxing, a boxer or a crazy man? The age-old question. Most profitable fight in combat sports history answered that very same question. It really did. It really truly did. 
Um, so, George, we're doing a thing where everyone gets to pick three numbers on a roulette wheel to determine the team of the podcast for 2024. And then I'm going to spin. A, I'm going to go and do one spin of a roulette wheel once I get to Las Vegas. Uh, you don't get to pick any numbers, though, because you go for Canberra, and that's Campo's team, and they cannot be the team of the pod. I wasn't even going to bring this up, but Campo said, bring it up to get his hopes up and then dash them spectacularly. And I said, okay. So, okay. so you, 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 you executed this. You executed this incorrectly. You should have just said that's what you were doing. Then allow George to pick two numbers and then say, great. I don't care because they can't be the team of the pod. Oh, that would have been funny. Would you like to pick two numbers anyway, George? Aren't you just going to rig it so it's Cronulla or West? This was covered on the first preview. How (laughs) on earth am I going to rig a roulette wheel in a Las Vegas casino? If I was capable of doing such things, I wouldn't be sitting here talking to you, would I? What if you just sit? What if you just sit there for hours and hours spinning until? I mean, I, all right, well, I'll make sure that, that we've got, we've got some friends going with us. There'll be checks and balances in place. We'll make sure I don't do that. It'll be what, first what, bid. Which, which casino are you going to do it at? I don't know. Which, which, uh, what do you, probably the one we're staying in. Okay. I don't know. I was yeah. just making well, I don't know. Well, do you have a preference? Do you want me to do it at a particular one? No, I'm not. I'm was just asking. Okay. Uh, so I have to pick two numbers. Yep. Are there any numbers which are exempt? Uh, well, the ones that have already been picked, but you can pick whichever ones you want because they're not binding anyway. Okay, two and nine. Nice. Good job. Two and nine. Are there any significance to you? Birthdays or what are they? I uh, guess my birthday's the 29th. Yeah, there you go. Well, you could just pick 29, but sure. Okay. Okay. No, too late. Yeah. All right. I keep forgetting you only get two numbers because Canberra made the finals last year. That does feel wrong. I feel oh. like you're trying to Mandela affect that finals appearance out of existence. I am, yes. Is this being gaslit? Have I, have I worked it out? No, because again, I didn't tell you that they didn't make the finals. I'm just pretending that they didn't. I've never gaslit you. One, and I one, never day, will. one day, one day, I'll figure. It. One day, I'll successfully identify when I'm being gaslit. All right. Yes. Uh, George, anything to to promote? Before we get out of here. Uh, no, I'm good. Thanks. Yeah. Um, just keep keep reading the Dubbo townsfolk and the Queenbean uh, Gazette or wherever else AAP stories are published. I do love when you share a link from like some random regional website. In the middle of nowhere. Is there like a centralized AAP link out as well, or is it just on those places? Uh, yes and no. Uh, the main stories go on our website, and the kind of other ones go, well, everything goes to our subscribers, who I appreciate greatly and um, keep me getting to write about sport. So, yeah, read yeah. the stuff. And, uh, sure. yeah, shout out to all the readers in well, it- Maria and Scarborough yeah. and wherever else. Well, I mean, your 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 stuff appears on ESPN anyway, so I mean, it does. People, yeah, so more than shout happy to, to read make, it there. Shout out to Walt Disney. Absolutely, uh, and people speaking of people that we appreciate the patrons, particularly those in the top two tiers on our Patreon subscription service. If you'd like to support us, now's the best time to do it because we're just getting back into the swing of things. You will get entry into the Coltrane Cup, the best tipping competition on the planet. You'll get an extra show every single week, access to our Discord server, merch discounts, and plenty more. And George will phone you up and do an impersonation of a British celebrity of your choosing. So that's an extra perk just for this episode. If you sign up, and thank you too. Chris Abnell, Dave, Go Woke, Go Captain Australia, Rocky and Rafi, Stu, Ashley and Martin, Ben Tavoyevich is training the house down, Broncos legend Adam Reynolds, Bruce the Pom, Butsy, Chivak Snuffleupagus, Dan Cullen, Danny Levi's biggest hater, 
David, an anonymous backer, Ed Burton, future Clive Churchill medalist, Keon Colo Matangi, I was saying Boo Earns, Jerome Luai, Hungy Pit Gift Fund, Jason Joe, Joel Wrigley, John, Josh Brandon, Kicks Out of the Comp, Lachlan Hancock, Luke Charles Midmore, Mads, Taylor's Version, Matthew Duggan, Mr. Beefy, Morgan Watkins. My name is Nick Campton, and Rugby Union is my favorite type of rugby. My ding ding dong is hard and I'm sad. Never trendy. Now, four walls are your 24 hour a day constant companions. Paul Max 78, Reese Brown, Rowan, Rodrigo Eduardo, Rodrigo Eduardo, goal! Roxanne Clark, see you in Vegas, Shunter Tie, the Black Vegetable, the Quiet Man in the Stand, Thor, Tom Hardy, was. We are now from Shasta, everyone loyalties, and everyone listens. All listeners, please send five of your Australian dollars to at the Matt Bungard on Twitter.com and Westlife Podcast. West Tigers are back, baby. Thank you so much for your support to everyone in the lower tiers and to everyone who just listens. Thank you as well. George, I was going to say you're not on here, but I believe you are Danny Levi's biggest hater. Not me. <laughs> but you, Nick, have you subscribed to our own Patreon? Uh, I haven't, but if I was looking to send uh, subliminal or semi-liminal messages... What about superliminal? Well, join the Navy. Um, that would be the method to do so. Uh, yeah, if you haven't signed up for the Patreon yet, please do. It helps keep the lights on, um, and we're looking to have a lot more content for our Patreon subscribers this year. Like regular stuff, so a lot less... Last year was a bit intermittent. This year, we want to try and give you a bit more value for money. So please sign up. Thank you. All right. Say goodbye, George. Goodbye, Matthew. Goodbye, Nicholas. Say goodbye, Campo. Goodbye, Bertrand. And it's goodbye from me.